Welcome to the Green Jet Ski Podcast. I'm Noah. Thanks for joining me, your humble robo-producer from Mother Broadcasts. And before we go any further, very special thank you once again to Vincent Santamaria for his blessings on using the track there in the open, Hope Dies Last. Check out more of his film score compositions at vincentsaint.com. He's also an actor and a martial artist. Other great works there. And he has uh, given us his blessing. Uh, we use this non, uh, we use this royalty-free track, and I still wanted to get his blessings upon that, and he has done so. And I want you to check out his work. What I also want you to check out is a little bit about my next guest. That's right, from uh, other shows and incarnations in my past is my good friend Chad C.R. Stewart, call sign classic. And he has 20 years of experience in writing fiction and nonfiction and one of my favorite things, movie screenplays. And he's just such a creative specialist and individual. Again, I'm glad to call him friend. And he is part of what we call, what he calls, the Britfield Movement. That's right. It's not just a book. It's a movement. Go to Britfield.com. And there you're going to find out so much about Britfield and the Lost Crown, which is book one, also book two, and then book three, which is currently out right now, which is Britfield and the Return of the Prince. I'm going to stop yapping. I'm going to bring Chad on. Uh, Mr. Classic Stewart, sir, how are you? Good. Great to be on. It's a great thing to have you on and before we get to give me a 60 second update people have heard our shows in the past together but uh what's the current status of book four yeah book four is going good britfield in the eastern empire book four and i'm about 72 73 percent uh completed with the first draft uh, which has already been well edited and uh it starts in vienna austria it heads to bratislava Slovakia heads to Prague, Krakow, Warsaw, Berlin, Baltic, uh, Lithuania, Estonia, and uh, Russia, St. Petersburg and Moscow. So it's going to be really fast-paced, exciting, high-octane adventure with the uh, usual suspects, the usual characters. They're all a little bit older, a little bit wiser, and the stakes are much, much higher. So I'm excited. It's going to be fast-paced fun. We're hoping to launch it by August or September of next year. And then more of the pre-production work going in on Britfield and the Lost Crown, the first major motion picture of the Britfield experience. And that's exciting stuff as well. Barry, I, uh, we finished the third draft, third finished draft about, uh, I don't know, seven days ago. In fact, the producer got back to me last week with uh, 40 or 50 tweaks. And so I, I feel right now in the third draft that it's, um, it's, very, it's very tight, very polished. Um, and ready to go now you know scripts go through a lot of transitions but this is extremely tight this will bring it in right around an hour two hours and 10 maybe two hours and 15 minute movie which is really our goal and um so we're excited i mean it's i, I tell you the the public does not know what's coming it, it's 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 going to knock knock them on their on their behind <laughs> it's just it's so exciting it's so fun it's so fast-paced it's got such heart it's got such family values it's just stunning and i'll be honest like i'm stepping outside myself because I'm, I'm i could be the worst devil's advocate so i'm writing through it i did the final polish i spent three weeks and 150 hours to get it finished and tighten it up i lost 20 pages off the, the second draft and i'm just reading these scenes and the dialogue and the heart and the pa pace and the feel of it and it is it's just stunning it's beautiful 
Well, and all these things in which you mentioned, Chad, these are all things that collectively make up great movies. And yes. today, today what we're going over is not just our top 20 movies of all time, but our top 20 action movies of all time. I would dare say that by the time the first movie is out, because and yes, it's family friendly, but it is also a fast paced adventure. I'm going to say that makes the list coming up for a lot of people in the future. Oh, I think it will. Yeah. I don't think there's anything like this in the history of film, nor in the history of literature. And I say that humbly, but I also say that I've tried very hard to anchor it. And we've talked about this before, no, anchoring Britfield and Lost Crown, you know, in the, into a film category, you know, sort of an action, you know, a fast paced action family adventure. And Star Wars, you could think of the first one, you know, it, it has a lot of feel like that, but it's not a sci-fi or, um, you know, lightsabers and, and and spacecraft. So it doesn't really fit that. And Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, classic, you know, first launch of that series. But again, you know, it's not one gentleman on the search of some treasure in the 1930s. Do you know what I'm saying? And yeah, yeah, so it's it's, I, I, it's really hard to find to find where it goes. And um, and it, so, I mean, it's really it's it's a new category in family action adventure. I just don't know. I don't know. It's equal. Well, that's great. And, and I think it's going to uh, break a lot of records. It's also going to open a lot of eyes and it's going to get people and studios to realize that this is exactly what people and families want to see. You yeah, think, right? <laughs> I mean, I yeah. mean, let's just I mean, you know, there's so many movies that they come out with and they, you know, they break records at the box office and it shows, hey, they make money. Let's keep let's keep going in that direction. And then they just don't make any further installments of that movie or movies like that. And it's like they know what the message is. They just refuse to do anything about it. Obviously, with the holiday, I just watched Home Alone one. And uh, the, the classic genius of John Hughes that was made for $18 million. It did $475 million at the box office. And you remember Mrs. Doubtfire made for $25 million, $450 million at the box office. I mean, like, wow. <laughs> Still one of my favorite comedies to date at this point. I, I love that movie. Oh, it's, yeah, right. It's just classic. It's so funny. Yeah, nobody, nobody tops Robin Williams in, in, nope. in my mind. Well, let's nope. get to let's get to the top 20 action movies ever, Chad. By the way, if you're listening right here to the Green Jet Ski podcast, stay tuned. Still coming up very shortly, not on this episode, but very shortly is going to be my interview with Nick Cartel. And he plays Jean Valjean in the touring cast of Les Miserables, and I've had the fortune to land an interview with him. I've seen it twice, once in San Diego, once in Palm Desert, and it's a tremendous individual, so stay tuned for that. Okay, uh, my first three, Chad, okay, first off, there's no Star Wars movies in mind because I kind of think that's a genre apart for me personally. Okay, okay. Um, I do have a couple of comic movies in here, uh, but that's mainly because from a, it comes from a different aspect. They're not, I, I don't really consider them comic book movies as much as they are great, pieces of cinema and i think we're gonna have a lot of crossover and i think we're gonna deviate a little bit which, which is why this is gonna be fun uh my top three are in a particular order after that it just kind of goes off the map and there's not really an order to them but my first my number one action movie of all time i'm just going to start with number one of course is top gun maverick i think <laughs> of course i mean uh tom i'm waiting on the jacket uh, the, the, <laughs> this was a new standard Chad, in my mind, of every way in which a movie should be made. I agree. Absolutely agree. We've talked so much about it, and uh, I agree. Right? It was done for, I forget now, 150, 170 million, but it did uh, almost oh. $1.5 billion. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and and thank goodness Barbie did not cross that threshold. I just would have yes. been sucking my thumb in the corner. It would have been horrible. Yeah. All right. Well, but let's you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, let's start at number one with you, Chad. What is your and may, unless yours aren't in any particular order, what's your number one action movie of all time? Yeah, I couldn't do it. I didn't put it in that order. I I just started. Um, oh, that's okay. Going, yeah, I went, I went back in dates, you know, in time, kind of like my first favorite from the past, and then I, I bring it all the way forward to the most recent. Okay, well, let's start. Uh, let's start all the way in the past. Then, what is your uh, your most dated action flick? The Magnificent Seven, nineteen sixty. Love oh, that movie. Phenomenal, right? Classic. Um, Steve McQueen, um, uh, Yul Brenner, uh, uh, Charles um, um, Bronson. You know what I mean? Um, uh, oh God! I mean, just had it had the cast of casts. Great story. You know, the underdogs, poor little village getting bullied. Uh, just amazing. So absolutely love it. Um, I own it. And uh, that comes out at least um, every other year, if not once a year. Yeah, it, it's kind of funny. I think you and I agree. Most of these movies on our lists are ones that we at least bring out once a year to to watch from our uh, physical media collection. My Correct. Number, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. My number two is... In my mind, the way movies should be made start to finish, and I'm talking a lot about the film process uh, from a directorial standpoint, from a cinematography standpoint, from a physical practical effects standpoint. And in my mind, even though it's not my and it was my number one movie for a long time, uh, nothing and nobody has ever topped as a whole how the master Steven Spielberg made the 1981 action adventure popcorn <laughs> flick Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, uh, yep, that's on my list. So I'll come up to that. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Speak into it. Well, it's just it's not so much that the the perfect casting choice of Harrison Ford. I mean, I mean, and it could have been Tom Selleck, as we all know, but sure. uh, Harrison just nailed the part. And I think yeah. when you're taking the stories of George Lucas, who obviously created the Star Wars saga, and you take that and you give it to somebody who has. I think he's he might not be my favorite director, but I think as a whole. Spielberg knocks it out of the park time and time again, solidly bringing life to so many different motion pictures. I think that was the way to go. I think had George given it to anybody else, it would have been good, but I don't think it would have been great. Yeah, and I'll just add to that. Um, it's got so many different levels. It's it's fun family entertainment. Um, it's, you know, uh, interesting history, right, with the artifacts. Ties in Nazis, you know, and the whole sort of pre-World War II, pre nazi um fascination with with those types of artifacts um it's got the romance brings in the you know the old girlfriend that they didn't left on the best of terms and um it's well, just and great what, it, and what's yeah. and what's interesting too is is it's yes there is some liberties taken obviously it's a it's a you know it's a major motion motion picture but what i love about it is you learn so much about historical places and artifacts yeah. and about history so i mean you're kind of getting an education at the same time you are. And that's the best kind of movies, right? Um, that's what Briffield's all about because we base it in reality. But um, I also say this about Harrison Ford. It's funny because I was just thinking about him the other day. I don't know why. but um, And I've always had this theory, but he really is an average guy. I don't think you, you if you met him on, on the street, you know what I mean? Or if he was working in an office, you'd probably think he was the office boy or an accountant. I, I don't think he's he's terribly handsome. I know he's sort of, if you will, become handsome because he's a movie star, but he's very average. You know what I mean? He's he's not he's not tall. He's not he's not Tom Selleck. You know what I mean? And I think that's what's propelled him um, to be at one time. He was the most successful actor in cinema. 
uh, with his movies by box office standards and stuff. And I think that's why you can, re he's relatable. You know what I mean? You, you can't really relate to Stallone or, or Schwarzenegger, you know, and those are fun movies. Don't get me wrong, but he's kind of your every, everyday guy, you know? Yeah. There was a series for a while back in the night, I believe late eighties, early nineties, where he literally just made flick after flick after flick, different picture after different picture. Yeah. And you're just like, yep can relate to him yep can relate to him i mean he just knocked it out of the park each and every time what's your number two chad my number two is guns of navarone 1961 oh that's a good one yeah i love that and it's funny too because i know we're taking a little bit of liberty like what's the actual definition of action movies um but that's that's pretty close to an action movie um but fascinating i just i always love that i own it and that that comes out once every other year you know that's a classic david niven um Oh, um, oh gosh, um, the, the other actor, I can't think of his name offhand, but just fantastic, classic. You know, again, the underdogs against the mighty Nazi machine and yeah. um, guns that are in the Mediterranean, you know, taking out all the uh, Allies ships and stuff. And it's like an impossible mission. And just, it's cool. You know, it's well, such a cool. Well, that's what I think that you're going to find a lot of on this list, on my list, on your list. You're going to find, and we've already brought it up with the first couple, there's a lot of morality that plays into a lot of the thematical elements uh, within these motion pictures. You don't get a lot of that nowadays, Jed. No, no. Well, my number three is uh, it, it's a feel good movie. It's, you know, it's kind of humorous at times, but I love so much. And I think I saw one of the iterations on your list is the Lethal Weapon series. But my favorite oh. by, by far is Lethal Weapon 2 from 1989. And mm. uh, Richard Donner just makes the ultimate, in my mind, cop buddy buddy movie and danny yeah. glover and mel gibson play so well off each other and, and then in that one in, in number two my favorite you bring in joe pesci and it's just it, it's a barrel of laughs it's great but it's a lot of fun oh classic i mean it's funny too because i uh, lethal weapon number one is on my list we'll get to that in a minute but um um and yet number two could be better Right. I mean, it's like, you know, and, and it's always the second. It's always a sequel. And you're like, ah, it's not quite as good. And it's like, I think they they like they raised the bar. And that's the first time I remember seeing that in cinema, really, where the second the second follow up or or even the third was was uh, was even better than the first. And the second one was so good. And, um, and like it's a said, rarity. Joe, it's a big Joe Pesci. Yeah. Classic. Oh, my gosh. I mean, just he was so funny in that. Yeah, every time you oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever Leo wants, Leo gets. Leo yeah. Gets. Oh, just brilliant. Right, right. Using yep. parties to break the ice. All right, Chad, what's uh, what's your third action flick on our top 20 list? Oh, this is one of my all-time favorites, really. Uh, we're Eagles Dare, uh, 1968 World War II movie. Uh, Richard Burton and Clint Eastwood. Is that oh. the most interesting pairing, right? It is. I mean, it's and it's just, and I and I, I grew up with this. I watched it, you know, with, with my dad when he was 12, you know, and 13 and 14. And it was just like, Absolutely love it. And again, the impossible mission, the Eagle's Nest in um I think in, in uh, southern Germany. And um they have to break out this uh this actor that's posing as a American captain and you know climb up the cliff. I mean just it's just it is so awesome. <laughs> I just love it. It's just cool. And I mean, I love Richard Burke. I mean, he's a tragedy because he was such a genius and brilliant actor, but he drank himself literally to death, mm. um, which narrowed his roles and stuff. And it's funny, too. There's a behind the story with this, but 
I think he was married at the time and had a had a had a young son. And the, the son's like, Dad, why can't you do any cool movies? You know, like that that I can watch. And so he took he he got the script, read it, and said, Okay, I'll do I'll do this one. That's why he chose to do it. So I thought that was kind of cool. There you go. And I mean, everything that Clint Eastwood touches turns to gold, pretty much. I uh, mean, yeah, talk yeah. about legendary actors. Yes, right. And it's just such a funny pairing. Um, and it's a great pairing. It works. Definitely. I mean, this is this isn't real quick. A quick sidebar is not an action movie, but that's what I love about Jaws is the dynamic between Richard Dreyfuss, um, Robert Shaw and Roy Schneider. I mean, you can get three different actors and even behind the scenes, they didn't all get along. But I mean, cinematically, it made a movie. Yeah, an interesting thing with Roy Scheider, and I liked him because I kind of grew up with him. And I remember um, Blue Thunder. If you remember that movie, I do, I do. And he, you know, he kind of had that sort of leading role for a bit and stuff. And he was in that one movie, uh, The Marathon Man. And um, you know what I mean? He like, you know, was all buff. He played this like secret agent, you know. And and uh, it was interesting seeing him in that bit before he sort of came onto the main scene. So, well, my next movie is. Uh, sticking with the buddy buddy cops and robbers movie, but and I think it's almost as equally as good as the second Lethal Weapon movie is the second Rush Hour movie, Rush Hour Two with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker, and oh my goodness, Chris Tucker in that movie is just <laughs> hysterical. It was my first exposure to to the actor comedian, and I love all of his stuff. I mean, he's absolute genius. Two thousand one, that movie came out, and uh, I'm still hoping for a Rush Hour Four. Oh, that'd be cool. I mean, my hat's off to Jackie Chan. He's like amazing, amazing uh, martial artist, to say the very least, um, an actor. I mean, he just we, we know he does so many of his own stunts and you'll see that the, the outtakes and it's like, boy, that guy takes some punishment, right? Just misses it, hits the bar, misses it, you know, lands on his back. You know, I mean, it's just like poor guy. What, 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 you, it's interesting, though, Chad, because what you do is you watch a lot of these movies that Jackie Chan is in. And Chris Tucker did a lot of his stunts. I don't think he did all of them. But that makes the cinematography so much better because you don't have these cutaways and different angles yeah. so that you can't tell who the actor is. I mean, you're like, yeah, that's Jackie Chan. This is incredible. So I'm going to go to uh, my next, but I'm going to jump it because you've already... Um touched on it but my my next was um 1981 raiders of lost ark fun yeah. action adventure and then um, um 1987 lethal weapon um yep. that really yep. yeah i think that was a turning point for those types of movies if you will like some of my movies are um hallmarks or watermarks mm-hmm. um, of of cinema of a switch of a change and i think i think lethal weapon set that bar for for that sort of cop buddy movie um, brilliantly written. I mean, amazing diversity between the characters. A burned-out Vietnam vet that lost his wife, that's on the verge of suicide. Oh yeah, and a, and, a, and an old-time you know detective getting ready to retire. And um, I mean, just amazing, incredible. Yeah, right here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast, Chad Cr Stewart is my guest. He's called Sign Classic and author of the Britfield Saga, the most recent book, Britfield and the Return of the Prince. You can check it out at Britfield.com. And there's also a fourth book coming out. First movie, major motion picture, Britfield and the Lost Crown in pre-production this year. That's pretty exciting stuff. Can't wait for that. My next one is not the first uh, and only uh, item on the list with the legendary the one and only Denzel Washington. But this mm. was this was number five on my all-time list. 
And this is now number five, Chad, on the top 20 action movies ever list. And that's 1995, Tony Scott's Crimson Tide, uh, a Bruckheimer best in my mind. When you're talking about tension, when you're talking about spatial awareness and you know making this submarine seem huge, even though it's not. And when you're talking tension with words that are not even spoken to, a lot of it's just looks between Gene yes. Hackman and between Denzel Washington. This is a masterpiece. Couldn't agree more. Uh, it's on my list. Absolutely love it. Um, I think I think what's so great about it, too, and we've talked about this before, but you have this fast-paced, high-octane movie, and you're confined on a submarine. And that's really, really difficult. Um, you know, like in Mission Impossible, you're all over the world. You know, James Bond, you're all over the world. You know, you go from this place to this place, you know, and you have that you have the freedom of different scenery. That you just have this narrow little tube <laughs> that they're all in. Oh, yeah. And it makes so extraordinary and again too that we have that wonderful character diversity you know the young up-and-coming harvard grad you know and the old you know school gene hackman just getting ready for retirement and and really very different in how they look at things and how they approach him and their philosophy uh, hence the tension in the whole movie um but but incredible yeah absolutely brilliant what's your next film chad probably one of the best christmas movies ever made I'm going to, oh, you know, I already know where you're going. And I, <laughs> and I have this argument with lots of people. And all I can say is they're wrong. Go ahead. You know, it's funny too. I saw that the other day for Lethal Weapon. And they're like, oh, I love this. Christmas oh, it is. Movie. Yeah. And I'm like, I forgot about that. Lethal you know? Weapon is absolutely a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even at the end, right? And then they bust in the window and the Christmas. That's right. So, I already, so I'll announce it for you. Your next movie is going to be Die Hard with Bruce Willis. Oh, 1988 Die wow. Hard, um, ranked on many sites as the number one greatest action movie. And it and really you know what? Up... Even though I might have a different pick, I'm not going to sure. argue with that. I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah, I'm not saying it's my number one, but I'm just I'm just saying it's um, oh, it's, it's fabulous. It's just, yeah, I mean, it's it talk about a surprise hit. I remember when it came out, and uh, and I remember seeing it and being blown away by it. And um, here's the tagline. I love this tagline. And there's very few movies that that can that can give you one sentence, tell you the whole story, and make you want to see it. A New York cop visits his estranged wife in Los Angeles during Christmas when her building is overtaken by terrorists. Mm. Boom! Got it all right there. And right? it drag it drags you in. Yeah, I mean, it just set a new bar in in that. I think there's so many. If we had more time, but there's so many side stories behind it. It was actually um, a novel. It's it's it was uh, you know I think ten years old, fifteen years old prior to uh, 1988. It was written for uh, Frank Sinatra, but uh, by the time it finally got to him, he aged out of it. Isn't oh, that interesting? Wow. And they went out to every single action hero or or actor of the time out there, and they all you know Stallone. Schwarzenegger, I mean, all of them, and they all turned it down. And so they turned to, um, I mean, this this bartender that that did a stint on Moonlighting and and really just did a couple of um, romantic kind of comedy movies. And uh, like Blind Date, I think, was one of them with Kim Basinger. And um, and they and they brought him on and they and they paid him five million dollars um, at the time. And they did that really as a publicity stunt. And at the time, he was one of the highest paid actors. Uh, which is kind of insane, and um, but he he set the pace, and I think you come back with the Harrison Ford scenario that he's kind of your every guy. Oh yeah, so he's not. Yeah, he's not terribly attractive, you know. Well, um, and I would say that you want, and I think that's just it. Is 
when you're watching a movie as as a viewer, you want characters not just that are interesting. Interesting is great, but you want characters you can relate to. Yeah, yeah. When he when, and when he takes a punch, he feels it. You know what I mean? If if, if Stallone f- takes a punch, you don't. He doesn't feel it. You know what I mean? Like you got these like muscle, rock hard. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just your everyday guy. You know, which is perfect. He's a New York burned out cop. You know, out in L.A., crazy L.A., night and day. To visit his wife, he's got his tail between his leg. You know, they've been estranged, and this building is taken over by terrorists. It's like it's just brilliant. It is <laughs> it's so it is. good. Well, my number six. I originally wasn't going to put it on because I'm like it's sci-fi, but it it is. I kind of did some research, and a lot of people do consider it an action movie, so I added it anyway. I don't think you're a big fan of this movie, but I love it. 1984's sci-fi action movie, a cautionary tale, Chad, because I think. James Cameron so many years ago hit it right on the head with where we're at today. I'm like, okay, well, it's game over for us. But I'm talking about the Terminator. Mm, yeah. I think Michael Bain, people can say Schwarzenegger, that's what put him on the map. I for me, that movie was about Michael Bain. I think Michael Bain is one of the most underrated actors. Mm. I think he's phenomenal in that, alongside Linda Hamilton. Mm, wow. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I liked it. I was intrigued by it. It's funny that it was um very prophetic. Right. I mean, that right. was way, way back then. And that and they do that in films. They put it out there and then it's like programming. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, look where we are now with technology and computers and um, and computers and AI and things mm-hmm. taking it over. Oh, yeah. So, and my, I mean, no. I'll, I'll let you get to your next movie here. But my movie after yours is going to be more in that direction, too. So what's your next pick, Chad? Yep, I'm going to do it. Patriot Games 1992 with Harrison Ford. I don't know why I just have always, you know, um, uh, Tom Clancy, you know, I, I just thought the way that the movie was done, it just had such a cool, um, sophisticated sort of style to it. You know, the opening in London, you know, the innocent bystander, which was Harrison Ford seeing these guys trying to, you know, take over this cab and pull someone out. And he just literally steps in, you know what I mean? He can't help himself and gets shot and kills one of them. And then it's just this vendetta to get him and just the scenery and the behinds the scenes and the shots in Ireland. And oh my gosh, it's just, it's, I, I just love that movie. It's one of actually one of my favorite movies. I don't know why I just did. It's just very cool. It's very sophisticated. It's very well done. It's very well done. Well, back to the, the AI thing we were just talking about my next pick. I actually just got done with the wife watching all four matrix movies and people can give me (laughs) flack about not liking uh you know matrix Four resurrections was horrible no you know what yeah it's not the original i thought it was very uh, it was actually in that it was original in and of itself going in a completely different direction especially when you didn't have lawrence fishburne i still call him larry fishburne back from when he first started and uh hugo weaving but i thought it was actually well crafted but the original from 1999 you don't get more authentic than that as far as storytelling goes and from beginning to end my favorite part about the matrix besides it making you think about like where we are today chad i mean because we're there i mean we're no holds barred on ai with no regulation you know people just want to be ahead in the race and it's you know it's a scary thing but you care about each and every, not even just Neo, but you care about each and every one of the characters in the story because they're so beautifully played and interwoven Mm. into the story. Yeah, it's on my list, so I'll wait till we get there. Um, It was revolutionary in film. It set a new standard for film. And I love the quote uh, by Keanu Reeves that said, um, it's not a movie, it's a documentary. Oh, yeah. Let that sink in. 
And not only is it mind bending, but I would even say it's so mind bending. Yo, it is. It really is. If you haven't seen it, please go check it out. But I would say, I would dare say, Chad, this is Warner Brothers' best movie ever. Mm, yeah, I mean, they knocked it out of the park. I'm going to come back to it um, just because it's on my list. Can I do three in a row? Go do three in a row, and then I'll do three in a row. Knock yourself out. Okay, perfect. Uh, Tombstone, uh, 1993. Epic. Love it. Epic story. Brilliant. Brilliant acting. Who's the actor that played Doc Holliday? I always forget his name. Oh, Doc Holliday was Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Probably Val Kilmer's best movie. Um, completely underrated. Probably should have been up for an Oscar. He was amazing. So Tombstone, um, The Fugitive, 1993. That's a good Dan one. Harrison Ford. I, honestly, I just, and I know it was built on a series and stuff. It wasn't original, but as a movie goes, I think it's, if you want to write um, a slow burn of an action movie um, where you where you show it and you don't tell it, um, that movie's it. It's just, it's it's an incredible study in great storytelling. It's it mm. set the tension. The second he was, he escaped and he was on his own, they just had this sense of tension. Every corner that he turned, anytime he opened up a door, he could be caught. And you felt that the whole time. And they did it beautifully. And meanwhile, they've got Tommy Lee Jones, who won an Oscar for mm -hmm. Best Supporting Actor, um, seasoned veteran after him and doesn't care if he did it or didn't. You know, that's not his job. So, um, And then finally, um, 1996, The Rock. Love that. So uh, Sean Connery and um, Nicolas Cage. Awesome. Epic. Well, my next three are, uh, so I believe I am at, let's see, five, six, seven. So I'm at eight, nine, ten right now. Uh, my number eight was going to be Casino Royale from 2006, Eon Productions, and uh, directed by Martin Campbell. Uh, I mean, this put Bond back on the map. Uh, there was no fluff. It was a very different and realistic Bond. And to date, this is my favorite james bond movie ever daniel craig mm. is my favorite bond ever and i don't think as much as i love connery as much as i love roger moore yes. uh, much as i love pierce brosnan uh, neither one of them holds a candle to this guy i agree and, and that's on my list so i might as well talk about it real quick and, and instead of covering it but um i think it is probably my favorite out of all of them and and you'd have to ask yourself what would you rather watch you know like moonraker or casino royale do you know what I mean? And it's like, I yep. love Moonraker. I love The Spy Loves Me. I like some of the Connery stuff. But I mean, I'll be honest too with some of the Connery stuff that the movies are kind of wanky. You know what I mean? I mean, honestly, I love Connery. He's brilliant. But the story, I mean, it's true because if you read the books, the stories stories are, are a bit, they're not very well written, you know? And yep. the movies kind of lay into that. Now we love Connery and he's brilliant, you know? Um, but they're not, it's not great storytelling. And then and then you had Roger Moore. I grew up with Roger Moore. I love The Spy Who Loves Me. I love the gadgets. Um, but I agree. Epic. Uh, my next one, I wasn't going to put originally superhero movies into the discussion, but I think there are a few, and a few made my list, three made my list, because I think they're not good superhero movies. I think they are great movies. This one you will agree with. 2005's Batman Begins, because it's such a great action flick. It's dark. This is honestly, I think, one of Christopher Nolan's best works. And I think Christian Bale really added a dynamic to Batman that had not been brought before. And usually you would have had somebody play Batman, but they didn't play a good Bruce Wayne or vice versa. And I think he nails both. Uh, I just added it to my list. How it missed it. I don't know. Um, love it. Own it. Um, my favorite of the entire series, uh, starting with Keaton all the way through. I mean, uh, I think everything that you said and then a stellar cast, a great relaunch, a wonderful story with this sort of hidden group and, is it Nepal? It's so it's so very cool. I mean, there's such a wonderful thread behind it. And then the conflict, 
event against, you know, at the end. I mean, just brilliant. Well, I'll tell you, um, and originally this was a, a couple of different things for me that I saw the new one, the Batman, and I loved it. And it is absolutely fantastic. It's very long. It's very dark. It's very different uh, yeah. with uh, with Matt Reeves. But God, and I go I do go back and forth on this, but I do think that Batman Begins is the quintessential Batman film. I agree. Oh, I absolutely agree. I, it's my favorite. I love it. And then my my number ten, which you already mentioned, was uh, from Buena Vista Pictures. Uh, I believe the greatest western ever made, and that is 1993's Tombstone. And a lot of it does have to do with Val Kilmer as Doc yes. Holliday was my favorite character in the movie. Michael Bain is the bad guy, and I just think it, it doesn't get better than that. He is so good too, isn't he? As the bad guy, <laughs> you know, and you don't hear much about him. And and he just knocked it out of the park. And I just, I, I agree. I love that whole movie. I know someone that's seen it uh, like 160 times. And believe it or not, my mother, 88 years old, one of her favorites. And we can always pull that out and watch it. And she loves it. I think that's, that's pretty cool. That's phenomenal. Let me zip so, through. Yeah. Go ahead. Zip through. This. Okay. So um, Mission Impossible. Um, I have number one, just 1966 because of the series. And that was a major transition again in film for this type of incredible fast-paced series that, again, is based in real time and really based on a lot of things that are happening right now. I actually liked number two, um, which is one of my favorites. I don't know why. I just love I loved number two. Number one was was okay. It was kind of launching the, the, the series. I love number two. Crimson Tide, uh, The Mask of Zorro, 1998. I thought mm. that's one of the best movies ever made uh, for what it is. You know, it's not one of my favorite movies, but I just... The story was incredible. The acting was amazing. Um, high suspense. Um, Antonio Bandero, you know, hats off. I mean, um, uh, Anthony Hopkins is the is the tutor. All of it. I just thought that was incredibly done. Um, the Matrix, reinvented movies, extraordinary story. Um, Born Identity, two thousand two, that relaunched that whole spy genre. Love that. Probably one of my favorite movies. Casino Royale, Taken, two thousand eight. Thought that was very interesting, simple, yet highly effective. And then the Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> uh, very good. You rounded off your list rather nicely. Well, my next one was, I believe, the lost James Bond film. I still don't know if you have been able to do that. But 1996's Michael Bay's The Rock, I think just the filming in Alcatraz Prison oh. in, in and of itself made it phenomenal. Yeah. Th then you mentioned the Mission Impossible franchise. My favorite still to this day is the Ghost Protocol from 2000 mm. and mm -hmm. the thing with Tom Cruise and the Burj Khalifa uh, still gets me to this day. <laughs> Next on my list is uh, the original Highlander from 1986, directed by Russell Mulcahy. I love oh. the series, but that original, I mean, Chad, it's, it's cinema magic and Christopher Lambert. I, 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 he's still one of my favorite actors. Wow. Very cool. Uh, uh, Man of Steel is the second of three superhero movies to make my list, and it just it really gets you deep diving into what really makes Superman Superman. And I don't think a lot of movies, super action hero movies, do that quite like Man of Steel yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my next one is the last comic book movie on my list. That's Iron Man from two thousand eight. That's before. Uh, yeah, that's before Disney bought Marvel. And so there's a lot to be said there. Uh, the beginning of the MCU, and I never thought you would see a character like Iron Man legitimately played on screen like they did with some of the special effects in that movie. 
very cool beginning of that too you know as he's kind of the cocky arrogant and then he gets injured and then he's captured and he makes his first kind of you know thrown together scrap iron man and that's totally cool totally entertaining and then he you know makes a sophisticated model it's a great movie yeah it's a great great movie another one from 2008 is a uh, hong kong film based off of the real life of ip man starring donnie yen as the martial artist it's called ip man and it's phenomenal i mean you like Mm. martial arts that's the movie to see Mm. okay i don't think i've seen it actually i would check it out yeah it's 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 top of the genre ip man okay yeah Next on the list is the relaunch of the Star Trek franchise from 2009, a reboot that I think made Star Trek more action than sci-fi, which mm. it wasn't a deal breaker for me, but it brought it a broader audience, which Paramount Pictures, I think, that was a brilliant idea because Trek was kind of niche. And I think that when you bring it into a more action oriented instead of a sci-fi oriented room, I think you're going to hit it out of the park. And they did that very nicely. Who was the lead on that? Was it Chris Pine or I'm thinking something Yeah, else? It, was, it was Chris Pine. Yeah, I liked that. I, I, I thought he did a good job. I like him. He's an interesting actor, yeah. Uh, next one, of course, I uh, thought about this and I made, made you a promise that it would make the list. And of course it does. 2014's The Equalizer with Denzel Washington at oh. his best. Right. Oh my gosh. Why was that not on mine? Dang I it. I don't know. <laughs> points away from Chad. Points away from Chad. Oh, I just I lost five points there. Yeah. You did. You did. Uh, the next one is one you're going to laugh at, but it is definitely uh, says all about everything. Me. Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter uh, by Tim Burton, uh, who is actually one of the producers, not director in 2012. Mm. Uh, 20th Century Fox. It's fun. It's a mix of history and horror. If you like horror. Benjamin Walker as Honest Abe. And, you know, I just prefer to think that's the way history actually went because, hey, when there's bad guys, you got Abraham Lincoln, what, you know, just chomping down vampires. It's great stuff. Yeah. It's funny because I'll be honest, like, you know, that kind of stuff would almost um, turn me off. But I got to admit, I watched the movie and, and I know it's based on that book, but I was, I was impressed on how they tied in these key moments in history with Abraham Lincoln and, 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 and explained it you know, of what happened and like, you know, uh, with the vampire background in it. And, and I thought it was very well done. You know what I mean? It's, it's funny. I know it's just, it's, it's having fun, you know, it's kind of crazy, but I thought it was, um, very interesting to tie in history. I've done a lot of that with Britfield, you know, where I'm tying in key events and stuff like that, but I'm bringing in my Britfield, you know, so I've got this great historical background and then I'm bringing in my fiction and I did the same thing, you know? Um, so I thought it was really well done. I was very impressed. Yeah, my final movie is one that I don't give Disney a lot of credit of late. And I think this is kind of this was kind of the turning point uh, right before they kind of went off the deep end. Uh, But one franchise that I have loved as far as storytelling goes, Chad, has been the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Uh Yeah. And the second one, I think, by far is the strongest because you have Davy Jones, who's played by Bill Nye, not the science guy. Or I yeah. that's how I say his name anyway. My apologies, sir, if I'm not saying it correctly. Uh, but he is just phenomenal. And I think it's one of the greatest villains in cinema history, mm. personally. And it's very dark, does leave you on that cliffhanger. It's a lot like Empire Strikes Back in that in that mm. regard, because you get to the point in the story where you realize, hey, Jack Sparrow, he's gone to Davy Jones's locker. Are they ever going to get him back? Uh, then they had killed Barbosa in the first movie, and who who comes walking down the steps as being brought back from the dead? Hector Barbosa, and that was just kind of a 
nice cliffhanger in in my mind. So I love that movie. Yeah, no, a lot of fun. I mean, really, right? Just fun, action-packed. I mean, obviously, Johnny Depp at his best playing this almost drunken <laughs> type of pirate and stuff. And he's funny. He's comical. Um, interesting cast, you know, and uh, I agree. Uh, it was, it's it's like just it's a fun family adventure. And, exactly. Uh, and, yeah. Well, and now and what's, yeah. what's funny is Disney's having to do a lot of backtrack. They, I mean, I don't know, know if they're going to stick to their guns, but now the heads of Disney are saying, well, we're, we're going to stop the messaging and we're, we're, we're going to come out with family friendly content because that's what we're known for. And I'm like, it took you this long to figure it out. That's all people have ever wanted. Yeah. Yeah. They know. They're just, yeah. Anyway. Um, cool. Very cool. I, I forget though. Did I, did I mention Star Wars 1977? I think I did. That's probably my, you did um, not. And, oh, okay. and, and I just didn't put Star Wars on the list because ugh, it's interesting. I think uh, I yes, it's it's more sci-fi, but I almost think Star Wars as a whole is a whole genre in and of itself. Yeah, I would go with 1977 though. The first, um, I think it revolutionized film. Um, pe- people, I mean, people never seen anything like it. I mean, literally, uh, incredible story. It just it fires on all sixteen cylinders. You know, oh, it Action, doesn't adventure, humor, characters. Um, Triumph over tragedy, um, David and Goliath, um, the three act structure, um, the, the hero's journey, uh, the mentorship, you know, I mean, just all of it. I mean, it's just, it's just an amazing story. And it's funny. I think I've mentioned this before, but my producer, uh, it was like over four, almost 50 years ago was, you know, because he was in the industry, went to see the uh, premiere, the first wow. premiere in Hollywood. And he said when he was walking in, everybody, you know, was kind of smug. You know, all the actors, producers, oh, it's George Lucas film, a stupid sci-fi thing. This is going to be a joke. I, I'm going to leave after 15 minutes, you know. Oh, you know, Lucas is finished in the industry. This thing is going to tank so bad. And he said when they walked out, the expression on their face of what they just saw, I mean, it was they were almost silent. I mean, they were so, it was just brilliant. I mean, and then you have John Williams with the score, you know, I mean, just amazing. So it just, it's, it's just one of the best movies ever, period. It it was it, it was groundbreaking, and yeah. I think for me the the greatest thing I did I I haven't liked a whole lot of Star Wars that Disney has done to date. The I sure. think the, I, I, the TV show they came out with the Mandalorian is really really good. The first two seasons, the third season kind of dropped the ball. Uh, but one thing I did like that Disney almost did a little tip of a cap to john williams is in the last episode movie they came out with i believe it was the episode nine you see somewhere in the back of one of the bars uh on one of the remote worlds there john williams is the bartender and i'm like you know what really oh i missed that that's (laughs) kind of cool that's very cool it's either yeah it's either the force awakens or the rise of skywalker i think it's the rise of skywalker and i'm just like you know what well done dude yeah yeah, no, you know, it's so funny, too, because I mean, as you as you well know, with the, the history of it, I mean, they created some of their they, they literally had to create certain cameras that didn't exist. They created certain special effects that didn't exist. Yeah. And as I was thinking about that, it's like this movie could have gone very badly, very quickly. Right. I mean, it could have been very corny. Right. And and yet it's just it's amazing. Incredible. Yeah, it really. It, I, He's an influence to so many people, and I'm going to bring it up right now because of your great books that are flying off the shelves. They're making an impact on so many different kids and their families. But George Lucas and his stories have been an inspiration to you. 
Oh, Britfield and the Lost Crown is the new Star Wars. And and, I, and I'm saying that really, uh, truthfully. When I was reading that script, you know, the third draft, and, and it's down to its sort of core, right? It's all its elements. Everything is extremely tight. Every sentence, every word, um, the main scenes and all of it, it, it felt like I was reading Star Wars. And again, it has nothing to do with Star Wars, but it's the essence of it. It's the feeling of it. It's that, you know, I'm here to rescue you. You know what I mean? I'm this lone guy called the greatness. You know, Tom is an orphan and yet he's somehow related to the Britfields. You know, Luke Skywalker's from a farm in the middle of nowhere, nothing, nobody. And yet he's, he's the child of a great Jedi. You know what I mean? It's just like, it just has so much... I was so influenced by Star Wars that that subconsciously went into my series. That is awesome. And, you know, if you go to Britfield.com, you have things that you can read about people, what they're saying. Joshua, uh, one person that's read the first book, Britfield and the Lost Crown, said he thought, I thought the book was awesome. Lots of action. It was funny. I liked all the historical facts about England that I didn't know. I learned a lot. And that's just it. They're learning a lot. And at the same time, they're having a lot of fun and they're thrilled because this is a that's why I said it's going to be eventually added to this list once the first movie's out, Chad, because it's fast paced, great action. Yeah, I don't mess around and I'm really, really into um, into pace and story. Um, and it sounds kind of obvious, but it's like, like frankly, it, most people aren't, you know, if, how many great movies, you know, fast paced action adventure movies can you name? And we've probably had 100, I think it's 130, 140,000 movies in total. And how many could you name? 25, 50? And, um, and, and then you might have a favorite movie by a, by a single scriptwriter. What do they do after that? You know, that was really incredible. Nothing. So I just say it's a, very, it's a very succinct art. It's very hard for everything to come together. In, the, in, in telling great stories and, and they just drag it out too much. And I don't know why they do that. And um, so it's fast paced. I mean, it's funny, like the first 30 minutes is like, I mean, it's like high octane, fast movement. They finally escape. And it's like, I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading it and it's just like the last 15, 20 minutes has been all action. Yeah. And you get to plot point one, 30 minutes and, and, and the audience is like blown away. And I'm like, guess what? It's just beginning. You know what I mean? The movie has just started. And what would have been normally like a climax for the end of one movie is the yeah. beginning. You know what I mean? And it's it's just, it'll blow your mind. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't wait to have book four out. I can't wait to get more information. I love uh, that we're friends because I get to see a lot of the behind se the scenes things that people don't realize is going on in the process with the movie. And it just, I'm, I'm so proud of the work that you've created, my friend. And I can't oh, thank wait. You. And I can't wait for people to be able to, to read book four, to see the first movie. And people can check it out at Britfield.com. So many different things there. And if they've never even heard of the series, well, shame on you. Where have you been? You've been under a rock. Go ahead and you can, <laughs> you can get the first chapter for free. Chad will graciously send that over to you. And then you can buy your copy because you cannot wait to read more about that. Anything you'd like to say, Chad, in closing about uh, what's going on in the world of Britfield or uh, what people should expect when the first movie comes out, when book four comes out and what's on the horizon? Yeah, we're just excited. Uh, we think next year is going to be extraordinary starting in January. I mean, we are literally winding the spring right now. And uh, what we've really done with Britfield for the last four and a half to five years has been what one would consider a soft launch. So there's quite a few people out there, of course, that haven't heard of it yet. 
um, but will. <laughs> um, but now we're getting ready, and next year is really when we hit it globally. And um, we're excited. We've got 15 countries right now ready to buy the international rights. We've just picked up Brazil, Spain, Portugal, Denmark, Czech Republic, Lithuania, South Korea. How cool is that? And so it's going to start coming out everywhere. The movie is going to be amazing. We're going to be shifting into pre-production, hopefully in the spring. Um, we'll start to push the uh, theatrical play specifically for um, middle schools and even high schools. Start getting that into school rooms. That's going to be exciting. Book four will come out in probably August or September. And uh, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Well, people should buckle up and just get ready for so much in store. And we're definitely going to keep you on the Green Jet Ski podcast. I almost said the name of my own show there, my old show, rather. <laughs> Uh, but uh, we have moved on to uh, bigger and brighter things because Chad, not only is he a great friend, but he brings so much back to the creative process and giving back to the youth of America. And I promote that here on this show. So he's going to be a frequent guest. So get ready. We're going to talk about a lot of top 10 lists. We're going to talk about creativity, the process. We're going to be talking about the books and give you movie updates and uh, just be, expect to hear a lot more from uh, Chad C.R. Stewart. My friend, thanks for taking a good chunk of your day and just sitting down, having fun with movies and talking a little bit more about the Brit Field movement, my friend. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having me. A lot of fun. Noah here on the Green Jet Ski Podcast, and you can check everything Chad Stewart out at BritField.com. <laughs>